Honey, it's not all about the Kama Sutra. This is Sex Shame in Urban India. This is only our third live show and we're in here with a very very special guest. She's British, she's Indian, she's a feminist. This is Sangeeta Landa Pillai. Sangeeta Pillai Landa, she's going to be so mad at me that I got this wrong. Sangeeta grew up in Mumbai in a traditional family. Her words not mine. We're going to have to ask her to explain that in a little, in a little bit. And she spent most of her life in India, but she moved to London 11 years ago and this is where she believes she's grown into her own. She's currently writing an erotic novel called Soul Sutras featuring British Asian characters set between India and the UK and she also writes a blog with the same name She runs women's writing workshops where they talk about and write on topics that make them angry that make them happy get them pissed off So Sangeeta also compiled a sexy Wednesday playlist for us and the first song coming up on here is Roop Tera Mastana from the movie Aradhana starring Sharmila Tagore and Rajesh Rajesh Khanna this is a super hit romantic song so please enjoy मस्ताना प्यार मेरा दीवाना रूप तेरा मस्ताना प्यार मेरा दीवाना भूल कोई हमसे ना हो जाए रूप तेरा मस्ताना प्यार मेरा दीवाना भूल कोई हमसे ना हो जाए मस्त समा है आज नशे में सारा जहां है रात नशीली मस्त समा है आज नशे में सारा जहां है हाय शराबी मौसम बहताए रूप तेरा मस्ताना प्यार मेरा दीवाना भूल कोई हमसे ना हो जाए ऐसे बेचैन होके तूफान में जैसे आंखों से आंखें मिलती हैं ऐसे बेचैन होके तूफान में जैसे मौज कोई साहिल से टकराए तेरा मस्ताना प्यार मेरा दीवाना भूल कोई हमसे ना हो जाए आ, 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 
That was Roop Tera Mastana from the movie Aradhna starring Sharmila Tagore and Rajesh Khanna. And we have our guest on right now and she will talk to us about why that song was on her Sexy Wednesday playlist. Hello, Sangeeta. It's lovely to be here. It's really cool. So, uh, if you're a girl growing up in India in the 80s, here's what you learn about sex. Uh, in that song, Aradhana, you can see her sort of getting naked and sort of getting steamy and there's rain involved. There's always rain. I don't know what, what that's about. But um, one sexual encounter, she gives in and the next thing you know, she's pregnant. That's pretty much all that Indian girls grow up knowing and hearing about sex, which is really weird. So tell us about this book that you're writing then, Soul Sutras. I'm really curious about it. It sounds fantastic. So um, I feel like in... British Asian culture, whether it's in India or in the UK, there is no space for women to talk about their sexuality. So in sort of Indian culture, if you grow up, it's this kind of repressed version of it. You know, we're not supposed to even think about it, let alone actually do it. Uh, and in the UK, somehow British Asian women are these sort of asexual creatures, you know, who take part in, I don't know, bride burning and, you know, these kind of very serious things. So I wanted to write a novel uh, an erotic novel which featured sort of British Asian characters having sex because that's what they do. Um, and essentially that's how the book came about. I've done a draft of it and it got longlisted by Penguin, which was, you know, really quite a big pat on the back for me. And hopefully that it is should huge. be ready. Congratulations. Thank you very much. Audience, you cannot see this, but I'm definitely giving Sangeeta air pats on her back. I can tell you she is doing yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, would you, would you want to tell us a little bit more about this traditional family, as you, as you put it, that you grew up in? Yes. So I grew up, my family come from Kerala hmm. um, and we come from what is called the Nair community, which used to be a million years ago, matriarchal. Hmm. Uh, but obviously all that stopped now and, you know, women get told what to do. Um, so I was the first woman in my family to ever work. So that gives you an idea of how traditional it was. And I think they, my mum and dad started to try and get me married off from the time I was about 18 or 19. I rebelled and railed and never did what, what I was told to do, as most teenagers do. What did you do that pissed them off um, most? So for starters, I wore these really short skirts. Then I got, went and cut my hair really, really short. And if you know anything about Indian culture, long hair is equal to women. You know, you, have, you cannot be beautiful unless you have really long, thick black hair. Um, and I just was really, really angry, I think. And there was this, there was one time where, despite me saying I'm not seeing any of these boys, which is what you get, you know, prospective grooms in India get called, um, this chap appeared and I was so angry. I sort of came out in my pajamas. I think that that's the last time they ever tried to sort of set me up. So that tells you a lot about how I grew up. 
So very, very traditional. So do you, do, do you think anything's changed uh, for, for um, women that, do, do, you, do you think that when people imagine women in India, they ought to imagine like people that come from traditional families or is the, is, is the situation complex? I think it is more complex than that. So I think certainly in sort of bigger cities like Mumbai or Delhi or Bangalore, there is you know certainly far more freedom now for girls, I think. A lot of women I know are choosing their own boyfriends, husbands, whatever. But in smaller towns, it is still very much that kind of arranged marriage scenario that we all kind of associate with British Asians, you know. So it's changing, yes, but I think it's a good, I don't know, 40, 50 years before things actually change. I hope they do sooner, but somehow I don't sort of think it will. So Geeta, what is second on your Sexy Wednesday playlist? Which is another, you know, how not to get pregnant song. No, what, what, what is it? <laughs> so um, this is how most Bollywood songs in the 70s or 80s were. Tell us about man, it. sort of man chases woman. Woman sort of is, you know, very shy and sort of she shies away this, that. Eventually, man sort of gets woman in bed. And obviously, that's the moment of ruination for this woman. From that moment, she gets, she always gets pregnant. One sexual encounter, and she's pregnant. Then the rest of the film, which is about two hours, is her kind of how she's ruined her life, having had this sort of sex and then you know gotten pregnant and then she's ruined and nobody will want her so there's a million of these songs that exist in bollywood films this and is that another is, one of them that is very right bollywood as much as we love them love to boogie to them love to love them we, al- we always must problematize them and this song called dil kya kare jab kisi se by kishore kumar and it is from the movie julie enjoy <laughs> दिल क्या करे जब किसी से किसी को प्यार हो जाए जाने कहाँ कब किसी को किसी से प्यार हो जाए ऊंची ऊंची दीवारों सी इस दुनिया की रस्मे ना कुछ तेरे बस में झूली ना कुछ मेरे बस में दिल क्या करे जब किसी से किसी को प्यार हो जाए जाने कहा कब किसी को किसी से प्यार हो जाए किसी चेहरे पे निगाह रुकती है जैसे पर्वत पे खड़ा झुकती है 
जैसे सागर से लहर उठती है ऐसे किसी चेहरे पे निगाह रुकती है हो रोक नहीं सकती नजरों को दुनिया भर की रस्में ना कुछ तेरे बस में झूली ना कुछ मेरे बस में दिल क्या करे जब किसी से किसी को प्यार हो जाए जाने कहा कब किसी को किसी से प्यार हो जाए दिखा दूं आ मैं तेरी याद में सबको भुला दूं दुनिया को तेरी तस्वीर बना मेरा बस चले तो दिल चीर के दिखा दूं हो दौड़ रहा है साथ लहू के प्यार तेरा नस नस में कुछ तेरे बस में चूली ना कुछ मेरे बस में All right now we're going to ask Sangeeta to read us please please read us an excerpt from her erotic novel The Soul Sutras Sangeeta what do you have to say about it hey, before Ruchi. you read it So Soul Sutras is um a story about Rati who grows up he's she's 24 years old young naive grows up in Wolverhampton uh in a very traditional indian community because lo- i know a lot of people who sort of live like that in this day and age um and she falls in love with jay who's a bollywood producer but we'll get to that later i'll start and read you an extract it's this is literally the first chapter the first few paragraphs from the novel so the first chapter is titled of brides and grooms it was the sight of his twisted little toe that made rathi think the unthinkable she couldn't imagine waking up next to that toe every morning for the rest of her life it wasn't that she was fussy about toes she'd never really thought about them before but as her mum washed his feet with milk and water during the ritual that signified their new life together she couldn't stop looking at his feet small details lead to big life-changing decisions she thought she should never have agreed to this marriage but growing up in Wolverhampton where everyone she knew had arranged marriages she hadn't seen any other way Time stood still for so many Asian families. The arranged marriages carried on, the sense of unflinching duty to one's parents carried on. The idea of living your life just like your parents continued. While young people all over British towns and cities rebelled and railed against their mums and dads, the young Asians did as they were told, 
just like Rati was about to. She knew a few things about her groom, Jatinder Singh, Jats as he was called by everyone, loved aloo parathas for breakfast, enjoyed hip-hop and got soppy after three pints at their local. The couple had been allowed to go on a few dates at the local coffee shop. After each date, he'd drop her home in his car and when it was time to say goodnight, Rati's heart would start to hammer. Maybe he'd kiss her. Maybe he'd go further. She had graphic details in her mind of what further involved, gained mostly from trashy romantic novelers she'd devoured. Rathi had kissed a few boys in her school, mostly after the school discos. None of those kisses had felt anything like her romance novels. Every time she read the hawk-eyed Arab sultan ripping the cold clothes of the quivering English rose, Rathi felt another quivering inside her. I think we should stop there before this gets uh, any steamier. Do you want to do you want to talk about um why that's your first chapter? So um I thought it needed for any good novel to sort of start off with a bang as they say it needs to involve some sort of big life decision. So at the end of this chapter Rathi actually walks away from this. She sort of brings ruin upon her family quote unquote and decides to get in a taxi and go to London to pursue her dream of being a star a bollywood star she doesn't quite know how she's getting to bollywood yet but she thinks london will make a good start so it sort of sets it up in this kind of arranged marriage and as the sort of rituals of the sort of hindu ceremony go in she slowly starts to think oh my god i can't do this this is not my life so i thought this made a good sort of beginning for the novel so where did you draw inspiration uh, for rati from so uh, a lot of a lot of places actually um my own self when i was young and 24 and how naive i was <laughs> uh my own kind of little rebellion but also i have a lot of friends who grew up who've grown up in wolverhampton in very traditional setups um and what what strikes me is really weird is they've grown up here and they've got all this freedom but they do exactly what their mums did and their grandparents did they have arranged marriages at 24 they live in the same town they work in the same jobs have that same house and that's their life and they don't seem to want anything more mm-hmm. so i thought that was really interesting dichotomy of kind of how you can be from a different culture live in a very kind of you know quite an open society but still choose to stay in that culture yeah do do, do you think the idea that uh, indian society uh, or, or or asian society in general is conservative do you think do you think that's just a way of otherizing or do you think british society is conservative i think both societies are conservative in very different ways i think obviously when you say british asian sort of society's tradition it comes from that indian tradition which is quite traditional and i'd say probably english society because i don't know enough about scottish and welsh societies to say that they've probably had a lot more kind of freedom in the last say 30 40 years and they've opened up but there's still you know there are you know we're all human and we've all got you know things that we don't want to do and don't want to say we've um, i see that you've put uh, bruce springsteen's i'm on fire oh, on our playlist yeah. do you want to say why yes what does this song do for you so it's it's one of the things i remember listening to in my 20s or 30s i can't even remember i was really young and <clears throat> the things he says hey little girl is your daddy home can he do to you the things that i do i mean you know what <laughs> 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 need okay. i say anymore cringe okay okay yeah i'm <laughs> Hey little girl is your daddy home 
got a bad desire Oh, I'm on fire Tell me now, baby, is it good to you And can he do to you the things that I do Oh, no, I can take you high Like someone took a knife, baby, edgy and dull And cut a six-inch belly through the middle of my skull At night I wake up with the sheets soaking wet And a freight train running through the middle of my head Only you, you cool my desire Sangeeta, apart from Soul Sutras, is there any other work that you're um, currently writing or a project that you're working on, involved in? Yes, Ruchi. So there's a few things that I've been working on over the last year or so. Hmm. First to that is my blog. It's called um, soulsutras.co.uk, um, where I talk about all sorts of things from sort of challenging traditional norms to sexuality to topical things like censorship in India, all sorts of things. Sangeeta, um, wait, wait, I'll, I'll just stop you there. You, you, br- you brought something very interesting up. Why, why do you think if um, you know, someone asked you, Sangeeta, why is it important to challenge or change traditional norms of sexuality? What do you, what, what's the answer that you have for them? I'd say it's about time. We're about <laughs> sort of 20 years overdue <laughs> is what I'd say. Yeah, yeah. Um, especially within the British Asian context because, you know, we've, all of us growing up in this culture, it's the only way to for me to say that if you sort of, I don't know, rage against the patriarchy, as a white woman in the UK, if you're Indian, that's times a thousand. Mm. You know, it, it's yeah. that's kind of where we come from. Here, yeah, here. Yeah. Um, so, so all these sort of subliminal messages that are sent to you when you're really young about how a family's reputation rests on you and morality and all sorts of stuff that we grow up with. So to be to even allow ourselves to be sexual beings is huge. You know, from an Indian point of view, like you have, you know, if you're not Indian, you, such a such a sort of mind leap to think that. But similarly with British Asian women, I'm meeting a lot of women, thanks to the blog, a lot of women uh, who've grown up here, second generation, Indians, Pakistanis, come up to me and say, oh, my God, you know, you're talking about all these things. You know, we have no space to talk about them and no one's spoken about these things. So there's obviously a real kind of appetite for this. And what I want to do in in a nutshell with all the kind of projects, workshops, etc. that I'm doing is create an actual movement where 
British Asian women, whether they are first generation, second generation, it doesn't really matter, have space to come together to talk about things that they're not able to talk about anywhere else. Sexuality, power, tradition, you know, modernity, all of those things. So I, I would like for them to have that space. And I think it's about time. What's your opinion on censorship in Indian cinema? And, and you said there are topical issues. Do you want to discuss that? Yeah, it was, you know, the, the film, I forget, the Padma lipstick, uh, or lipstick, lipstick under my, my burqa. That's the one that's I've talked about on my blog. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's just unbelievable that while society has moved on, and I do believe Indian society has moved on, the censorship board is, I don't know, stuck in the 1920s. It's ridiculous. For, for our listeners, do you want to, do you want to uh, just elaborate on what that controversy was all about, just so people so, know? It, it was a film. Now, I don't know too much about the film itself, but there were sort of notes around female sexuality. There were four characters, I think, hmm. older women who, hey, shock horror, actually happened to have sex. You know, hmm. it's just crazy. So the censorship board banned it and didn't allow it to be released anywhere in India. Obviously, the, the woman that directed it has done a great job of promoting it. And it is being released, I think, in the US and other places like that. Mm-hmm. But it's such an archaic system to do that in this day and age. So that's one of the things I talk about on the blog. And that's a very fantastic thing to take up because uh, a lot of young people are stuck in a rut where uh, in, in, in a culture where a lot of old, you know, archaic institutions are antiquated and they don't celebrate sexuality, whether, you know, and they're still celebrating Bollywood films, which are so full of eroticism and sex. Yeah. But but if I may interrupt you, Bollywood films have sec- female sexuality from a man's point of view. Exactly. It is never female sexuality from a woman's point of view. And they're so threatened by yeah. any film that focuses. Precisely. Um, yeah, that heralds woman as the Precisely. Precisely. front of a leading leading pressure Precisely. pleasure yeah yeah exactly so what, what what's your what's your second work so uh, the blog's one thing um, I also can have these meetup groups for women again where we come along we talk about things could be like body image and the pressure that women face today just look a certain way what, what are some of these pressures that women talk to you about um, so a lot of women talk to me about and I think we all kind of imbibe that we all kind of look at magazines and think, oh my god I've got to be I don't know um, size eight and look a certain way and have my hair a certain way or whatever. And if you're not kind of fitting into that very narrow prescribed image of yourself, there's a lot of kind of background noise in your own head. Pressures, you know, um, girls as young as like eight and ten going on diets. It's ridiculous. It's obviously they're looking at these images that are bombarded on media, magazines, TV shows, celebrities. Everyone looks a certain way and there's no room for women to be actual women, you know, what we actually look like. So that's one of the things I talk about. So so what? how do they talk about these images? As in, they, 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 I mean, without naming anybody that come to your, yeah, uh, yeah, your, yeah. your workshops yeah, and talk yeah. to you in confidence. I yeah. mean, what are, the, what are the issues that they uh, take up? Uh, so, what are the problems um, do, do they have with these media saturated so images? So I had a very interesting conversation with a young woman in her sort of mid-20s who said to me, she'd had a couple of drinks and she said, you know, I hate myself. I actually look in the mirror and I hate myself. She's stunning, you know, absolutely beautiful girl. Can't be more than 30. And I felt such sadness for a society that makes a young woman, a gorgeous young woman, feel like that. Because she looks around and she doesn't see anyone that looks like her in her head. To me, that's such a shame. And again, that's advertising is to blame. You know, this whole celebrity culture, uh, photoshopped pictures you know it's not real I work in advertising I can tell you it's not real it takes five <laughs> hours to make someone look like that <laughs> you know <laughs> but people don't see that people just look at an image and say oh my god I don't look like this I'm fat or whatever you know and it's unrealistic 
are your workshops open to um, Caucasian women? Yes, or, yes. In yeah. fact, I have quite a mixed group of black women, Asian women, Caucasian women, everybody. And you'd be surprised at how much commonality there is mm. in all of this. Mm. We come together, we talk, and it's almost, it's like a rich mix of all these sort of different strands coming in. Uh, and the anger and the kind of uh, pissed offness, if you will, is about the same sort of issues mm. among every culture. Mm. So... Soul Sutra is the book. Soul Sutra is the blog. What am I missing? What do we not have on uh, here? Well, there's a few other things. There's mm. a Facebook group. Um, again, it's called Soul Sutras. And we post things that we see, um, the whole sort of Harvey Weinstein thing we talked about. Anything in the media that we see kind of we think misrepresents women or how, you know, feminism, we would like feminism to be. We talk about it. It's quite a sort of heated, we get into quite, he, you know, good arguments about a lot of things. So it's quite a popular kind of Facebook group and I enjoy running it. Um, I've also run writing workshops for women um, at a sort of art center in East London. And again, it's the same sort of format. We sit across the table, we talk about the issues that are sort of prevailing at that point, we write about it, and then we share the writing with each other. And again, you'd be surprised at how much kind of suppressed rage there is among women. I had a workshop where we did uh, sexual harassment and this girl started to cry. You know, she's writing. She wrote beautifully. She wrote this piece of poetry. And then she just started to cry. So this, I think the point I'm trying to make is there aren't enough spaces to, for women to express how they feel. So the writing workshop sort of aims to do that. Um, I'm also doing a whole bunch of other things, um, hoping to create a theater piece, um, a sort of audiovisual, you know, art piece, hopefully online, maybe an exhibition in the next year where, you know, we bring together uh, everything from South Asian literature, you know, dance, music, fashion, maybe. Again, fashion is so narrow, unless you're kind of, I don't know, five foot nine blonde, you know, fashion doesn't kind of seem to want to talk to you. Um, so those are the things we're going to try and feature in this festival. It's hopefully next year. A little birdie tells me that you are working on a version of the Vagina Monologues. Oh, what? yes. This is my latest project uh, and I'm really excited about it. What is it all about? Tell me, so, tell me everything. So, um, it's um, a space again for British Asian women to tell their stories, stories about their sexual life from their unique cultural point of view. So I'm looking at, you know, I'm asking women, British Asian women, to send me Funny stories, sad stories, saucy stories, weird stories, all sorts of stories, really. So I would like to tell the world how sex and looks and feels from their point of view. Because there's really no place for British Asian women to talk about this, certainly not in their culture, nor in broad modern British culture where they're kind of seen as asexual. So what I'm going to do is once I get in enough stories from all these women, I'll curate them, edit them and then I will work with theatre professionals and actors to present an actual theatrical production of uh, Masala Monologues. Is, is that what you're calling it? Masala, masala Monologues, which I thought was perfect because I don't know if, if you know the word masala in Hindi is obviously spice, which you probably know if you get your Indian takeaway. Mm. But anything with masala is a little bit spicy and saucy and, you know, it's a bit, you know, under the covers, as it were. So that's why Masala Monologues. I love it. Do, do you have an excerpt here for us? Yes, I do, actually. I've got whoa, a... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before, before you read yeah. it out, let's keep our listeners waiting. Ooh, and yes. we're going to give them some Christina Aguilera 
Pink, Maya and Lil Kim. This is the song that you suggested as yes, number please. three for our Sexy Wednesday playlist. Enjoy. Where's all my soul, sisters? Let me hear your flow, sisters. Hey, sister, go, sister, soul, sister, flow,
misdemeanor here. Lovely song. Sangeetha, tell us, when did you first hear this song? I think probably about 15 years ago and I went to watch the film Moulin Rouge. Uh, and I came back and I think I bought a CD then. I can't even remember. Hopefully not a tape. But um, it was very overtly sexy. I mean, it says, Voulez-vous coucher avec moi? I.e., will you sleep with me? And you can't get any more, you is know. That, is that French? Yes, it is. Pardon my French. <laughs> pardon my I do French. not know any French. <laughs> That's okay. I'm here to translate. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's get on with the excerpt. I, I yeah, cannot wait. Yeah, yeah. So, um, let me tell you a little bit about this. So, obviously, you know, it, it, I'm hoping it's about 15, 20 monologues. All real life, all sort of women's perspectives, things that have happened to them, interesting stories, funny stories, sad stories, it doesn't matter. And it'll all be anonymous, obviously, you know, we're not going to reveal who's written it so people can be as free as they want to be. And we'll put it together in a production with um, starring female actors. And I'm hoping it'll be amazing next year. So let me just read you an excerpt from it. This one's called Monologue One doing the Kama Sutra. I was 38 years old and needed to get laid. I was recently divorced and had only slept with one man for nine years. In fact, my ex-husband was my third ever lover. Before you shout, stuck up virgin to my face, hear me out, I'm Indian. I was brought up to believe that just one brazen sex act was equal to eternal ruination and a lifetime of sobbing over my illegitimate children, just like those sad heroines in old Bollywood movies. So I kept my legs crossed and my lust contained, like a good little Indian girl. Um, until one day, I found myself divorced and single, living in the UK, the land of booze, fueled casuals, hookups. I was so impressed to see the women I worked with get totally smashed at the pub after work and go off with the first available man. Yes, I did judge them at first, thanks to my very traditional Indian upbringing, but that soon turned to envy. So finally, after my divorce, I decided to get me some of this liberated, wonderful sex that was on offer all around me. There was just one tiny problem. I didn't know how. The last time a guy had asked me out for coffee in Mumbai, he had to discuss marriage to me over the steaming cappuccino. How did I go from that life to taking someone home for casual sex? I did what any smart thinking woman would do. I asked my friend Catherine. A woman of the world, Catherine introduced me to the world of online dating, the rules around shaved pussies. Sorry, am I allowed to say that? <laughs> I just thought. And the delights Trump said of... It. You're uh, definitely allowed. <laughs> and the delights of lustful, casual sex. So there I was on my first ever date, eager to make Catherine proud. I had decided that if this guy turned out to be okay, I'd have sex with him. It was important to lose my post-divorce virginity, you see. Uh, it was surprisingly easy. Um, I discovered I was really good at flirting. In fact, I was bloody bl brilliant. Because I didn't care. Um... And I wasn't interested in the guy in front of me beyond that night. And that was incredibly liberated coming from the culture that I came from. Marriage prospects? Question mark. You can lump that. Is he a doctor? Who cares as long as he's good in bed? I twirled my hair and jo joked about my Indian upbringing. My date asked me the usual questions um, that British men do about India. Do we really have cows on the street? No, we just put them there for the tourists, mate. Does the caste system still exist in India? Yes. And how's your class system in here in the UK doing? Cut to three hours later, fueled by booze and sheer lust, my casual hookup and I were back at my flat. 
I had asked him enough questions to feel safe that he wasn't an axe murderer. Things got heated from my front door. Right, I'm going to stop here because it's going to get a little bit explicit. And to find out more, you have to come see my performance. All I'll say is the story features the Kama Sutra and the Hokey Koki song. And all I'll say is, when can we come? Hopefully 2018. Hopefully. Keep us posted. I will certainly do that. You brought up you brought up um, these uh, these imaginary and very real tags that we've we've experienced as yes. women, Indian, British, British Asian. Do you think um, this was a question I get asked very often? Are British Asians and, and Indians the same? Um, I in my head, if you're Indian, if you uh, have grown up in India, and you're British Asian, if you grow, if you've grown up in United in in Britain. So are, to are, me, they, yes. are, they, are they the same in terms of values, the values oh, that they hold? Um, some of it, I think, because, um, say, say, even if you've grown up here in your second generation, your parents still bring that value system with you, with them. And in fact, they hang on to it even more dearly. So, yes, you still have a lot of the kind of moral kind of quandaries that you do as if you're Indian. Plus, you've got the baggage of, I think, if you're British Asian, your kind of British side is your is kind of different to your Indian side and you can't quite connect the two which is what I hear from a lot of my British Asian friends. So I think it's kind of double jeopardy, if, if I'm honest. Um, the term and uh, the concept of, um, you know, the, the Kama Sutra is something we hear about a lot in Britain. Why do you think uh, people are so obsessed with the Kama Sutra here? And why do most people look back to this ancient text written centuries ago and associate that with anything remotely related to Indian sexual culture? I think it's sheer lack of knowledge. I think all people know about Indian sexuality is the Kama Sutra. It's the sort of easiest go-to word, really. And But what you'd find very surprising, Richie, is if you ask someone about the Kama Sutra, they tell you about it's some weird sexual position you hang from a ceiling or whatever. If you actually read the book, there's very little that is about... There are sexual positions, yes, but it's about book seven or something. It is far more a sort of a, a tome of how to live your life. You know, how do you conduct yourself? Within marriage, if you're having an affair, how do you conduct yourself? If you're a husband, what do you do? If you're a wife, what do you do? And there's a lot of that. And it's incredibly liberal for something that was written in 400 BC. You know, um, there's a whole passage there, which I'll sort of semi-quote. It says, if you're having sex with a married lover and you want to give her or him a love bite, you do it in a place where the spouse doesn't see it. I mean, can you can you see how kind of complex that is? Yeah. Um you know, women had sex, men had sex, it was not a big deal. So it's incredibly liberal. Um, and it's about social codes. And you know, there's all sorts of very cool stuff in there. And sexual positions is just one part of it. But mm. most people don't read it and they just assume that's what it's about. No, of course, because they selectively uh, pick up the concepts that they want to yeah, uh, magnify. Uh, what What were some of the Indian films or any kind of cultural um, products that you were inspired by as you were growing up? It could be any music, um, you know, a, a person or a song yeah. or any movie that, that really helped you. Yeah. I mean, um, I grew up in India in sort of in Mumbai in the 80s and 90s. We had very limited exposure, actually, to anything Western. We were of a generation where you'd have the Grammys playing once a year and we'd you, get our tape recorders out and record it. That, that's how, you know, that's the only Western music we heard. And in our heads, it was this like heady, amazing, exciting stuff because everything Bollywood was was OK. But it was, you know, this is what we wanted to hear. So growing up, um, I listened to... Some of my friends introduced me to sort of Dylan and the Beatles and Dire Straits. So that's the music of my generation. 
especially Floyd as well, Pink Floyd, and the things they were talking about was so sort of alien and so rebellious. Um, that's probably quite a big part of my growing up years, actually. I see that you've put the 1998 song I'm Horny by Moosty on our playlist. Yes. I'm very excited to hear it.
Sangeeta, I'd ask you about why this song's on your playlist, but it's pretty self-explanatory. I'd say so. No, but you can still go on. <laughs> it's your show. What's funny about it is uh, when the song came out, it played everywhere. We were on the dance floor, and you saw these little girls in in sort of parks singing "Honey, Honey, Honey" without knowing what it actually meant. It's just one of those, you know, club classics. You sort of, you know, jump around and you say, oh, "I'm honey, honey, honey," without even sort of knowing what it is. It's just, it's one of those cool, friendly, fun songs. I think. One of the previous questions um, from me to you was about uh, what kind of what kind of Indian artifacts, media artifacts that you drew inspiration and you know love from. And yeah. I just wanted to ask you: Has there been anything in, in in a British context, in the British media or British films that that uh, you know that has resonated strongly with you? Have you seen yourself in there? Do you do you like stuff that's produced? Um, sadly, Ruchi, I think there is very little or almost nothing in current British media about women like me where someone might look at the at a character or a concept or or even a commercial and say oh my god that's someone who looks like me or comes from a similar background to me and i think that's such a shame i think the statistics was something like i think 2.5 million people in the uk are british asian it's huge you know it's massive community uh but there just seems to be nothing in the media apart from sort of honor killings and bride burning and things like that you know which are serious and i don't mean to kind of negate that but there's very little space for us to say the things we want to say to talk about the things that you know bother us or the culture that we come from which is extremely sad and i'd like to see more of that in mainstream media maybe press you know, papers like the guardian or the stylist or any of these things i th- i think it's about time we change that If you had to make um make or produce a film what Ooh. would it be about? One word. Take a guess, Ruchi. <laughs> Sex. Sex. <laughs> <laughs> Not that I'm obsessed or anything, but <laughs> no one's blaming you. <laughs> yeah, so um and and would it be uh, who would it represent and what kind of uh, women figures would you have in there? What kind of relationships would you like to portray um, there? I think I would very much like um British Asian women and women of other communities to be represented. Again, we don't see enough black women in sort of mainstream media. We don't see any films about them. I don't remember seeing anything on TV. In the US they do, but here we certainly don't. So they would be represented in the film and they'd be sort of, you know, actual real female characters um that go through the things that real women do, which there is more and more of that, but I'd like to see a lot more of that I think in current media. There is there is a uh, some bit of portrayal of British Asian women or um you know w- women uh of of uh, other non-white uh, heritages like uh, you you do have uh black caribbean yes. f- uh, you know w- women folks that that come on TV but then because like you said they br- br- the British TV culture is so focused on doing period dramas that people like us get pigeonholed into doing characters they're always like the shopkeeper's wife or you know something like that and or that's slaves only, yeah yeah someone was talking to me she's an actress she's an older indian actress and she says there are no roles for me like what do i do i can go on coronation street and i can play the shopkeeper's wife and that's pretty much it So what do you do when you're not neck deep in advocacy through your creative work what what are the random things that you like doing Oh I love going to country pubs where they have fires and sitting what? and reading Why Cuz it's just one of those spaces where you can't get a mobile signal most of the time which is great well, you so no one that. can get in touch with you and you can sit there and you can dream and you can think of the things you want to do and put it put sort of yourself outside yourself if that makes sense cuz I think we're 
in the lives we live in in London particularly we're just so sort of caught up in running and doing all these things there's very little time to do that i love going to the theater i watched a fantastic production on sunday at the sachi gallery called pussy riot it was about these um, i don't know if you know the story the no these, no i don't uh, tell me tell me everything three russian um, young women who uh, who went and performed this music in a in a church and got put into a penal colony for doing that in russia uh nadia i forget her second name uh was one of the main uh, women and the show was an immersive theater experience so they actually put us in prison and made us the 10 of us and put us in like six or seven rooms in a prison we were made to clean the walls and sort of the jailer yelled at us and we were put into solitary confinement so i think the point of that was to get you to experience what these women went through because when you talk about someone being in prison it's an intellectual concept for the most of us you know and when you're actually there you think oh my god this is the physical reality if i was thrown into a jail for singing a song so i thought that was incredibly powerful actually so i love seeing art theater music walks countryside travel so do you think um, students at soas would uh, somehow fit in in the movement that you're pioneering oh absolutely i mean w- what's what what would you what's your message for soas students so So as students, if you um, would like to be part of my Masala Monologues, if you're British Asian, if you're female, if you have a story about sexuality, sex or anything connected to any of those things, please write to me. Um, Look me up on my website, soulsutras.co.uk or tweet me at soul underscore sutras and send me your stories. Um, And I'd love to hear what you have to say because I'm sure you have sort of interesting, refreshing things to say that I'd love to hear. Sangeeta before we which which means luckily only just me kiss you goodbye <laughs> what, do you want to tell us about what you're up to this evening well i'm sat here talking to ruchi in a uh, glittery poofy dress which i'm trying to channel my 80s vibe with trainers and i'm going to go to my she's work christmas party she's pulling it off she's rocking it I'm you off. cannot see it i can unfortunately <laughs> thanks ruchi so i'm going to go from here to my work christmas party and boogie and have a couple of drinks and talk to my workmates so that's my plan for tonight all right and we're ending with the song called kasi paheli zindagani from the movie parinita enjoy thank you ruchi
Sorry, you just so honey. 